Welcome to Engage Arizona. One of the largest and most effective grassroots organizations in Arizona started with a text chain of just eight women committed to reviving communities and protecting families in the state. One of the organization's top issues right now, as well as a top issue for Center for Arizona Policy and Protect Arizona Children's Coalition, is protecting girls and women from the unfair, unfair practice of competing against boys and men. That's what we'll be focusing on today. But first, I want to welcome my two guests, Arizona Women of Action President and Founder Kim Miller and Protect Arizona Children's Coalition President or President um, Lisa Fink. And so I'm going to start with you, Kim. Tell us a little bit more about Arizona Women of Action, what you're involved in, and how, how it started. Sure. Thanks so much for having me on today and having both of us on because this is such an important issue. And that's part of the reason why Arizona Women of Action got started was a group of, of women who are, uh, you know, parents and business owners and professionals who just wanted to expose what was going on and help others to understand what, how high the stakes are and that we all can get involved and we can be empowered to make a difference at our local levels. So it started out, like you said, with eight women on a text chain. And now about three years later, we have about 18,000 people following us or subscribing to our newsletter. And we're trying to help people just have the information and, um, and, and the courage to step in and take action. And that's why we got involved with this um, Save Women's Sports Act to, to defend this because we were reached out by a, a national law firm that uh, had wanted to help women have a voice in this issue, women and girls. And they found us and said, well, your group seems to be the one speaking out the most for women and girls in Arizona. So would you intervene officially in this case and become a full party? And we said absolutely yes. And so we're bringing that uh, out to the forefront and helping uh, women to understand what this issue is because many women are confused about it. So Lisa, let's Protect Arizona Children's Coalition, give a little bit about how it got started and what it does. Well, basically, um, what it started was when uh, Kathy Hoffman, who was the school superintendent at the time, um, put forth that she wanted to reopen the rules in regards to sex education in the state of Arizona. Um, and we happened to see uh, that there was some information from Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network um, wanting to get certain types of rules into this for the sex education. And it was shocking as to what they wanted to do. So we got together and um, I think it was the longest public comment that the State Board of Education ever had. Um, we were able to kill it. Um, and then, like I said, after that, we formed together. And the main thing that we're trying to do is to stop comprehensive sexuality education, stop the transgender ideology, and to strengthen parental rights. And so that is what we have been working on um, since then. And, of course, we um, helped in getting testimony and gearing up support for the Protect Arizona, or excuse me, for the Protect Women's Sports Act. And that's why I've worked with both of these ladies on a number of issues. So let me give a little bit of background because, as Lisa mentioned, um, Center for Arizona Policy, Protect Arizona Children's Coalition, we worked with then-Senator, State, State Senator Nancy Bartow, an alliance defending freedom to advocate for the Save Women's Sports Act that was passed in 2022, and Governor Ducey signed it into law. And the law basically protects female athletes in public schools by requiring that males have to compete with males or on co-ed teams. What used to be very logical in our culture and in our schools is not so logical anymore, at least to some people. So then the law went into effect. And then um, we have two Tucson boys who are living as girls, filed a lawsuit, and a federal judge blocked the law from going into effect while this lawsuit 
plays out. So this is what we see going on all over the country. And, of course, we've seen when this has happened, the males are identifying as girls are winning the swim meets, they're winning the track meets, and that's what is unfair. So let me, um, so Lisa, you testified um, both on the legislation and now you're a plaintiff in the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So um, you've been a coach, you've been, um, you're, you're a mom as well as a coach. So share with us why, you know, about why you joined the lawsuit, but what your experience as a coach and your daughters play volleyball and run track? Just volleyball. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so basically my experience, I will tell you, there was, um, I think it was one of the first um, seasons that I, I, I coached. There came a team and, um, and it really looked like it was a young man that was on the team. And I had all my girls come up to me just upset saying, coach, coach, there's a guy on the team. And at the time, you know, I didn't know what the rules were for the Kenyan Athletic Association, um, but we barely lost the game. And I do attribute it to, you know, had them having a male on the team. But also what was very sad was also to see all the girls on the other team that were still on the bench. They never got to play. And so that is wrong. Um, and of course, I'm also with um, with volleyball. I have played co-ed volleyball um, at a, uh, it was intramural collegiate level. And it is very different. There's different <laughs> rules um, when you play co-ed and uh, you have to be ready for some really speedy spikes and serves. And for some of these young girls, for freshmen or sophomore that I'm coaching, I could see, unfortunately, uh, injuries um from that and i mean we've seen it I've, I've had injuries of course on the court but for various other reasons but to put into a young man into that mix would be um very very difficult so you so the main concerns would be as a mother and as a coach that the injury potential if you've got a girl going up against a male we know that despite what anyone will say there's still physical differences that that you know biology is real mm -hmm. but that and as well just the unfair advantage mm-hmm yeah, it's unfair. They're taller, um, like I said, the, the strength. Um, and like I mentioned before, I have played with guys, and it is a very different type of play. So, now, Kim, the lawsuit, we've had round one of the lawsuit. You have been able to what's called intervene. Which well, means we have not been approved yet. Okay. So the judge is in Tucson. She's a liberal judge and has not been uh, ruling. She's, she's just kind of sitting on it right now. She's not, um, she's ignoring it. I don't know. Hopefully she will make a decision soon and allow us to intervene. It looks like our, uh, our case is very strong. And if we, if for some reason she does deny our intervention, then we would appeal that to the Ninth Circuit. So, And what intervention means for our listeners is that um, Arizona Women of Action intervenes on behalf of three mothers who are concerned about what their daughters would be exposed to if they are playing against males, biological males who are identifying as women. And so the intervention is a common procedure. Center for Arizona Policy is intervening in a couple of lawsuits right now, or we've tried, we've tried in the past to intervene. Um, and that's um, and so it's going to take it a while. It is federal courts. There are other cases pending in federal courts. I think West Virginia has a law that's um, maybe up before the U.S. Supreme Court before too long. So we're looking forward to courts doing the right thing and upholding what this needs to be. I want to circle back a little bit to something you said earlier, Kim, about courage and the courage that's needed on this. Because I recently heard U.S. Senator Josh Hawley talk about you know that his prayer for our country is that we would have a baptism of courage. Mm -hmm. 
and that we need to be able to stand for what we believe in. Um, Lisa, your daughter, um, is, what does she think about mom sticking her nose and, and being in a lawsuit and, and standing up for her? I mean, how, how, what are the, the girls' reactions that now this lawsuit is there? Yes. Well, no, first of all, before I even said yes, I spoke with her on that. Uh -huh. I said, um, I told her, I said, hey, this is what I've been asked to do. And, um, you know, we've talked about the transgender issue um, around the uh, dinner table as well. So they understand um, the the grave problem that this can create for our culture and for our society. And so I asked her and I said, what do you think? Um, and she's like, sure, let's do it. So, um, so I was excited that she was um, willing willing to show courage in that aspect. But I told her, I said, hey, mom is probably going to take the hits. Um, but, you know, I have in the past and I'm willing to do it again. So she's like, yep, yeah, I'm there. Exactly. So part of what the, the boys, if I understand right, the boys lawsuit actually claims that the Save Women Sports Act violates Title IX. Now, Title IX, it just makes no sense because Title IX was what was passed, what, 50 years ago, right, as part of the Civil Rights Act to basically to bar sex discrimination in schools because girls didn't have a level playing field. They didn't have a chance to play um, sports um, like they do now. So what's going on with that, Kim? I mean, how crazy is that? Oh, it is. It's completely upside down, and they're negating the, the entire intent of, of Title IX, but they're saying that it's because of sort of redefining the term gender and that, you know, this is these, these biological males feel that they are female, so you have to protect their gender as they define it, which you're right, it completely turns upside down the whole intent of, of Title IX because they are different biologically. And in this case, they're trying to say that because these two boys are prepubescent, then that is different. But there's so much research that shows that even as young as six and nine, that there's uh, studies that show that they are up to you know 33 percent more capable in all of these things they have better bigger bone mass muscular uh, structure they have a faster um, you know uh, starting at the starting block they can go faster they are their lungs are bigger their heart is bigger so it's completely unfair and but you're right that's how they're trying to frame that is that it's uh, you know it's, it's for title nine for for their fairness but you're right it's unfair to girls period I mean, just, it doesn't matter whether they're pre-puberty or not. I mean, that's what we, through the legislative battle, we saw that. I mean, the statistics are overwhelming mm -hmm. that you can't change muscle density, lung capacity. I mean, on and on, like you mentioned, yet that's what this is trying to allege, that somehow, um, it, well, and let, let me emphasize, too, this doesn't mean that a boy can't go play, a biological male can't play sports. This isn't, it's just saying you can't, as a biological male, play on a girl's sports team, right? Exactly, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, these boys, um, you know, they have an unfair advantage, and we want girls to be able to play and on a, an even playing field, and we want boys to play on an even playing field. And um, as far as I understand, um, the, uh, Superintendent Tom Horn has offered to have co-ed teams as another alternative for, for boys who are, are struggling with gender identity or things like that, um, that, that they could compete with other, you know, on a co-ed team if that's what people want to do. That seems to be fair to me. And, and we want to emphasize, too, this is not, we are not anti-LGBTQ kids or any child at all struggling. We have never wanted there to be bullying. This is not about that. This is only to, to protect the fairness and the opportunities that, would, that girls would be missing out on. Thousands of girls are going to be denied 
just the dignity of being able to play on their sport, the privacy, the safety, even the opportunities to to reap all the benefits that sports brings with it, the, the leadership potential and all of that, the ways that they grow and become ready to compete in the marketplace someday. I mean, feminists are worried about women hitting the glass ceiling, but yet they're handicapping women uh, as they're developing in young as young girls from all the benefits that sports brings to them. So that's why this is so unfair to girls. And I'd agree also in regards to scholarships <laughs> and other things that, you know, opportunities after high school. Are that. Exactly. And that's happening as well. Well, and you mentioned the safety part of it and the privacy part of it. I mean, so the privacy part of it, you know, you only have to hear from Riley Gaines, who, of course, is going all over the country now being very bold and courageous in how she is speaking out, that how, as a female swimmer, how she was exposed to a male in the locker room and had no warning, no advance notice, and that's just not how we protect our girls. Um, and, of course, um, that male, that biological male, came in first. <coughs> and so often what we see on the national level, it seems whether it's in the Connecticut track stars or the, the NCAA swim meet, is that these biological males were way down in the boys' back brackets. So mm -hmm. then you know, I'm not ascribing motives at all, but then they decide to compete as girls, and they win. Exactly. Yeah. And that just shows the unfair advantage right there as well. Well, mm -hmm. where do you see this going as far as to the Supreme Court, or what, what do you think? It seems like it will go there. What do you think, Lisa? I think so. Um, I'm a little concerned of the Ninth Circuit Court, um, and so I believe um, it will need to go to the Supreme Court. And Tom Horn has stated his support of taking it all the way. So. Well, and a lot of people think the Ninth Circuit is better than it used to be. And I'm like, well, we've got some cases there that we're going to find out if they are or not. Um, if indeed, but they, they had some good, pre, former President Trump did appoint some good judges to the Ninth Circuit, but I don't know that it's a majority yet. So we will see how, how that all goes. Well, where do you see this going if, um, if you, look, we lose the case and we get a U.S. Supreme Court ruling eventually that says that biological males can identify as girls and plays on girls' teams? Where, what, what's, the, what's the cost going to be? I think there's going to be, uh, you know, as a coach, I would have difficulty playing teams that have guys on the team. Um, and so I could see potentially that there will be many schools uh, that may kind of um, create their own league or whatever so that they can be able to have just girls being able to compete. I think that might be a situation, but I do think if we don't stand up, um, it will be the death of women's sports. We did a we had a blog recently by a former high school coach who was herself an athlete and um, she was remembering in her blog she was talking about what it was like before Title IX and how it was just very very few women ever competed on anything there was hardly any teams at all and it's hard for us to imagine what that would be like but th that is where we would have to go we'd go back to that mm -hmm. so really this is not progressive this is regressive mm -hmm. this is hurting women. And that's what everybody just needs to acknowledge. And it has nothing to do with not having compassion for people who are struggling with their sexuality. This is about just protecting girls. And where, what are we going to do? I mean, these, I think that people are eventually going to boycott their teams and things like that. And I agree. I think it's going to turn a lot of things upside down. Well, and I would have been those girls that never would have even thought about being on a sports team. Because it was, I mean, maybe we had a girls' softball, you know, in a intramural kind of, t you know, league or something like that. But it certainly wasn't an option mm -hmm. at your public school that right. you could be on a team. Mm 
or that there was any kind of a private school option even or anything like that. So we've come so far in the last 50 years. Anything we haven't covered about this issue that are, or what's at stake that comes to mind? Hmm. I guess one thing I would say is for parents who are wondering what they could do yes. right now, I would say one of the best things they can do right now is to email and call the Arizona Interscholastic Association because right now it's still on the books that they uh, they still have their ruling that trans kids can play on girls' teams. They just never took it off their policy. It's still there, um, but they have not granted that supposedly to, um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, I would say for parents to pay attention and if there, if you think that there might be a, a biological male on your girl's team, I would recommend they you say something. And I know a lot of parents are worried because they don't want to be thought of as, uh, you know, unfair or bullying to those kids. But that's not what this is for. We have to stand up for our daughters. It's not fair for us to ask them to to be the voices. We we need to stand up for them, and we should write to the AIA and say, I think there's a, you know, this is not fair. I don't. I the law clearly states still even though this case is allowing two uh, males to compete right now, but they're only, only those specific boys are competing because they got the preliminary injunction. But every other boy in Arizona is not allowed to compete against girls by law, by state law, right now, even though it's still technically on the books with the AI. So. Okay, so that's a very important fact there. That So the, the Save Women's Sports Law that they passed in 2022, that was signed into law, that is in effect today. Yes. And the AIA that governs all school sports in the state and interscholastic activities. Public sports. Um, that they are, well, pub, private schools too, that, that play well, well, in, in some true. of these leagues. If they're in and, those leagues, yeah, In some of these leagues. And so that uh, that's unclear because the AIA did not update um, like they should have. And so they, they try to act like they're, they're following the policy because we've been tracking that somewhat. And they the policy that they had before clearly was allowing um, trans individuals, biological males, to play on girls' sports teams, and they had a process that was questionable, which is why you know the whole purpose of this law was because the Arizona Interscholastic Association was allowing bi- biological males to compete on girls' sports teams. And so that was um, a key part of why the law was needed. And I think over 20 states now, something like that, have mm-hmm. lost something you know along these lines. And so Arizona, we're, we're about a year after when we were going to pass it because COVID stopped us. Um, Lisa probably remembers that, that we had passed it out of the House, and then right, it passed out of the House, and then mm-hmm. everything shut down because of COVID. So we couldn't get out of the Senate that year, but um, it, it passed the next year. So um, let's, in, to wrap up, so Lisa, how do people get in touch with Protect Arizona Children's Coalition. Well, they can go to our website, protectarizonachildren.org, and there's a way to sign also our petition that you're against comprehensive sexuality education, which includes the transgender ideology and also strengthening parental rights. Um, they also can educate themselves. We have um, information on our website. In particular, there's a parent's guide for transgender issues um, that they can review. Um, we also have, with one of our coalition partners, um, also for school boards and policies and helping in that air arena, because of Unfortunately, the school boards also have not been very protective of girls as well. So those are some of the things that they can do. Um, and they can email me too. So Okay, great. And Kim, Arizona Women of Action? Yes, so they uh, could go to, uh, go to our website, azwomenofaction.com, and you can don't even have to be a, a, a woman to sign up. You can be a man <laughs> and get our email. We send out one email a week to uh, let people know what are some of the most effective things you can do with your time to engage and, and uh, protect 
not only women's sports, but a lot of other issues, pro-life, um, uh, stopping human trafficking, just being aware of what's happening in, in your communities, and then getting involved at the school level as well. We, we, we promote Lisa's work as well, and, and, so, and also CAP when we can. So uh, sign up. You just click on there, and you'll be a subscriber. So um, just to conclude today, thank you for joining me. Um, Two women who are being bold and courageous in the public square, standing for what they believe in, and I hope that listeners will engage and to know that this is um, an issue that's winnable, and it's an issue that's about, um, again, as as Kim has said so often, this is not bullying, this is not about um, going against one community, this is about protecting girls and privacies and having really a level playing field. So thank you both for joining me. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Engage Arizona. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast platform. Don't forget to share with family and friends. And if you would like to learn more, please visit our website at azpolicy.org.